You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. Abru John started out in Istanbul, but her passion for food and wine put her on a global quest to find the best local food and drink around the world. She has tasted some of the rarest wines on the planet. Her hard work has made her one of the top wine professionals in New York. Drinking on the Job, Episode 68, starts now. Today, I welcome Abru John. We'll talk about her incredible journey in the wine business that started in Istanbul, how her work ethic and that culture catapulted her rise to becoming one of the top sommeliers in New York City. And I say bravo to Abru. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for having yeah. me here. So we first met uh, during the COVID uh, you know, thing that happened that our business, the restaurant industry, collapsed. And uh, me and Tom were in the office and we were putting care packages together for Psalms and people who are unemployed. And uh, you came down because we sent a note out to help anyone we could. And of course, your generosity and your work ethic, you wouldn't just take something, of course not. Uh, you said to us like, what can I do to help you? Because we were handing out and boxing and a bunch of stuff and it was just, some days just me here. And uh, you came down and worked a few days and brought like this incredible Turkish food that we'll talk about <laughs> later. Uh, but you were just so great. So I got to know you packing boxes and talking about, I mean, I, I can't believe the hours that you work and how hard and your work ethic. Um, so I was just kind of blown away. So uh, I guess we could start at um, uh, what drove you to wine and start about, tell us about this incredible journey from Turkey, uh, Istanbul um, to, uh, to New York. Like, uh, well, um, I didn't know anything about wine when I first go into wine. I studied wine production, technology mm -hmm. and viticulture mm -hmm. in college. But when I picked that major, I didn't even drink, I don't remember I drank any wine before. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, this is very interesting. And I searched about a little bit. And one of the like wealthiest Turkish family, they were investing for winery mm -hmm. and they just uh, established a new winery. I was like, if they invest something, it must be, you know, a feature. Right. <laughs> and I just want to like check it out what they're doing. I want to study art actually. Mm -hmm. um, when I started, I, I fall in love. I'm like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing. I really want to do this all like degustation classes, like learning viticulture, being in vineyard, being in winery. So how do, you, how do you get into being a sommelier in Istanbul? How does that happen? Actually, I didn't work so long. Um, I knew already I was coming here when I work at the SOM. Like it was like a couple of months. Mm -hmm. I just want to like keep it up, like how it works the mm -hmm. SOM work. Because right. I work for import company. I work for Turkish winery, but I was like usually marketing department. My professors always pushed me to like a little bit that side because I was like, I always want to do and travel and meet with people. So when you're right. in winery, you cannot do these things. That's true. You're a bit so, landlocked, I guess. Yeah, right? you're yeah. like, you have kids to take care of at home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I never worked as a psalm before. So I just want to see like how I was working as a psalm and learn a little bit before I came here. Mm -hmm. 
I knew I, I want to be sommelier here. Right. Um, so that was like total different world. So is there any specific reason like you left? Was it just to, like you said, to travel? But like, uh, I mean, certainly in, in Turkey, there's a lot of uh, political unrest. I mean, you're boarded by Syria, Iraq, Iran, Israel. I mean, just saying that, uh, you know, gives me an anxiety attack of what, what goes on sometimes, oh, no, the unrest. No, Turkey doesn't have those no. problems, really. You no. don't, you never think about these things. No. Like, okay. We are not like in the middle of war. Like, you don't right. grow up like that. It's very secular country um and the only problem was for me um government wasn't sporting wine so much it's like they're a little bit more religious and they're anti-alcohol because uh, uh muslim people. and i mean not like generally muslim but because in turkey like people drinks a lot right it's like they're consume a lot of like alcohol but not wine there's not wine culture they drink either beer um like whiskey or raka is the most actually mm -hmm. everybody drinks most of time mm -hmm. and people drinks actually every day sometimes raka and it's like 45 you know uh percent alcohol <laughs> right. it's like more than wine uh there is not really wine culture in turkey and it was the industry is super small and there's not a sommelier like exactly sommelier jobs right. in turkey so pretty much like you're doing everything but you're kind of taking care of wine too but there's not so many um customers that you can talk to about wine right so you're you're at that point you're like well i have to leave i'm going somewhere that's uh uh wine obsessive so i'm going to go to france or spain or the u.s or did you have your eyes on the u.s to begin with or you thought well uh that wasn't actually coincidence pretty much because hmm. i live uh briefly in england okay and i was just like okay like where should i go and uh my roommate that time she was just like I've been in New York before. It was great. Let's move to New York. <laughs> and I never dream a lot in New York. Right. Like you watch movies, but I never really care about New York so much. So um, my favorite, was, my favorite story of a friend who's from Greece and he came to the U.S. and we hung out. And what he was obsessively thinking about was just ordering, as he called it, um, uh, to-go Chinese food. He just wanted to see those little Chinese containers to, that know. you see in all the movies, <laughs> you know, with the chopsticks and the little white boxes. Yeah. That's all he was like, hey, we got to have this. I'm like, really? Like, um, I totally okay, feel him. Sure. Okay, yeah, I know. I had same feelings yeah. too, like people are eating from the box, like Chinese food. Right. I yeah. mean, you could find that time in Istanbul because, yeah, you know, like the things are changing in Istanbul today. Right. It, be, it became more international. Uh, but yeah, like it was... It wasn't, I wasn't dreaming really New York. I learned New York and I fall in New York when I, after I came here, right. it took time. And now you love it. No, I love it. Yeah. yeah. So you, I think it was like the 2002 or something, there's a law passed in Turkey that says, um, you know, men aren't the head of the family anymore. And so I, I, it was some obscure lie I saw. And I, I'm thinking like sometimes, you know, does, does that, what does that mean for you? Did you find as a, a woman in Turkey, you were uh, seen more of a second class citizen? And I'm not saying it doesn't happen here because women have issues here in this country. But like, do, was it harder to be a woman in the wine business in, in Turkey? Um, I'll answer the first one first. Sure. Um, first of all, it's, it's, there's a two words. Mm -hmm. um, for me right now, like Turkey from here and Turkey when you leave there. Mm -hmm. So when, whatever I read here, I sometimes think like, what is this? Which country is this? Like, I don't recognize because when it, whatever you read here is actually totally like the reality over there is totally different. Yeah, There's not such a thing low, low. Um, I'll tell you what, Man we, is like more. Yeah. 
like okay, they are yeah. do like both or your and Turkish women are pretty strong actually in family. Yeah, like they are actually the boss most of time. <laughs> I, look, I, I totally believe that. <laughs> you don't have to convince me. Um, yeah, and also uh, like Turkey is like one of the country um, like women the like, first women were voting is like even uh, I think longer history than America even. Um, yeah, we were voting first. Men, yeah. uh, most of like European country too. I mean, as with a, the Ataturk, of course. Right. Um, yeah, there's, there's, it's very secular country. There's no like really those problem. Right. Like people usually think there's a camels in Turkey and <laughs> it's super Middle Eastern. It's actually a very modern country. There's no camels like you can see. <laughs> I mean, unless you go to zoo or something. Sure, right. Yeah. And Istanbul is like most cosmopolitan, one of the most cosmopolitan cities, right. especially so if for, you go to West Coast. Yeah, for us, is you know, like we think of it as uh, this kind of hotbed of political unrest, because um, sometimes we see it through the U.S. eyes. You know, the, uh, the U.S. pulls out of Syria, Turkey attacks Syria. There's another war there. There's the constant seems like tension in that area. So for us, I'm saying, and you know, a lot of us think of it as it's car bombs and political unrest and stuff. And you're saying it's not really that. You don't have. I mean, you grew up. I'm, so yeah, I never like thinking we're going to war like growing wow, up. Like okay. I never had like you know anxiety about that. Like we were. However, people grow up here. It wasn't so different, which I grew up like really small town. I mean, right. If you go to maybe border of those areas, like right. Middle East area, like um, where you're uh, border to Iran, Iraq, Syria, right. It's, right. it might be like that kind of feelings. Yeah. Because they're like closer and, you know, like if something attacks, it could be those cities. Sure. It cannot be like really Istanbul, Izmir, or like where I grow up, which is like in the middle of. Okay. Good. I, I look. I, I love dispelling these myths because I. Yeah. I'm sure people are like, "Wow, she made it from Turkey as a woman. Like that must be really tough." And you're saying, "No, we treat it pretty much the same way." Yeah, but being a woman, of course, is hard. It's not easy for anywhere. Not easy here too. You know, like I felt like with all my like veins even mm. in here, in wine business, like super man dominant, uh, white man dominant sure. industry. That's what we're addressing. And they're right actually now. treating you not well most of the time too because you're young and woman, mm. and they always like things like you don't know enough. And then once you talk to them, like they're like, oh, okay, yeah. And then they start liking you. <laughs> sure. Well, I definitely think, look, there's no doubt, like as a woman, as a person of color, you have to bring your A-game table side if you're a Psalm because this is inherent kind of just a historic uh, prejudice. We're always going to assume that the Psalm is a, is a, is a white male or, uh, you know, I mean, that's a generalization. I mean, I think it's going away, but something you have to fight daily, right? I mean, because as a, as a younger woman in particular, you know, yeah, people are like really oh she's gonna recommend this one and you then you then you start talking they're like oh shit okay I'm gonna be quiet she's the uh, or my friend Hannah who's a is a journalist she said I mean she writes about wine in the wine business and she said every time she goes out to a restaurant like they give her husband the wine list and go hey you go sir and here's the wine list and she speaks up right away because she's Hannah and she says yeah excuse me he doesn't know shit about wine could you please bring bring me the list <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't like fight for it if the if there's a guess and they're like they don't trust me like just looking at me and I don't mind someone else is going that table to be honest like yeah. I wouldn't fight for that so there's not a piece of you that dies every time 
that oh uh, no no like, I've, heard, I've heard psalms say that you know if somebody doesn't if they're confused of who the psalm is and, and it's them and then there's this feeling like oh my god i've been i'm crushed i'm actually the psalm and it's because it's they're either female or a person of color and they're like i can't believe that i think it's just like like you say it's just gonna be like i am the psalm i've been out of restaurants many times i don't know who the hell the psalm is I wouldn't I care. Like if someone like confused, like I wouldn't care. I don't have that hard feelings to people. Like, mm-hmm. like you can do that. Mis- I can do that mistake too. Yeah. And I also like working Thank in this you. industry. And yeah. the perfect part is you became like well, you don't take personal most of things unless they make personal. Right. Like first time, like you look at me and you think like you you're free to think whatever you want. Sure. And then if we talk, if I express myself, if you still have biases, then you really don't listen. You know. Right. Thank you for articulating that so wonderfully because I, I find it's uh, a lot of people take things way too personal in this, in this time right now. Um, it's like the idea of like I'm a victim all the time. Like very easy for you uh, as a Turkish woman that obviously, I mean, you speak incredible English, but you know, have an accent and you're a young, beautiful woman to be thought of as, eh, and you're like, no, no, don't, don't think of me like that. Yeah, also I, inside of me, like I'm strong enough, like this is not going to knock me down. Like, I don't want to make, like, so drama my life. Like, if I want to talk about, like, right. all the downside, like, how hard I work to be here, hmm. I can do that, too. There is an option. Sure. But I like to talk about something I'm doing good and, you know, like... And that you love. Gives, like, inspire, like... Right. And you can do it. If I do it, did it, like, you can do it, too. Yeah. And I want to talk, like, the good things more than bad things. Because right. we all have experiences, True. bad experiences. And became strong is like you go all these like tough way and tough time to Mm -hmm. be stronger right and i i think it's like um it's like anything you have to if you have to prove yourself constantly you quickly become very strong and very smart if this is your if you stay with it um if you're if you're tough enough and think like no no nobody's gonna knock me off my course um, and it's obvious the way you, you feel and you're approaching this is, uh, that's why. So let's go from why you, then you come to New York and I mean, you've worked with who's who you worked at Aldo Sam. We'll talk about you work with David Belay, your, uh, head Sam at, uh, at Robuchon. I mean, like this doesn't happen by accident. This happens because of the attitude that you're talking about. Like, no, no, I'll do, I'll, what you want me to unpack boxes? I'll unpack boxes. You want this, but I'm going to show you I'm the brightest star in the room. Right. I yeah. Mean, yeah, you ha- you just have to work hard and right. not like look at these like negative small things mm. like control your life. Sure. As long as like you're comfortable with yourself, you're happy with yourself, it makes I think easier to like survive all these things. Like I heard like super racist things too, of course. and like treated like wrongly your workplace too, like from your like had people, mm. but. If I just like stick there, like you, I wouldn't do what I was doing right now. Right. You work for Aldo Sam when you work with somebody who's just is so incredibly passionate and love and smart. Um, is that where you're like, I gotta really start traveling to some of these different regions to get a handle on it, right? Um, that was my dream actually way before. Okay. Like Good. after there's people usually um, in Turkey after college they travel with interrail. Mm-hmm. So you buy a ticket All right. and you, you go like there's a zones of the like Europe and you like visit like 12 countries and like, so many cities like and this is like part of and it's super cheap because mm. you're traveling with train and mm. with, uh, if you're like younger than 24 years old, it's even like more discount. Right. Um, they're actually pushing you to travel. 
Smart. I wanted to do that time, but I couldn't do it, and I always wanted to do it. And I'm glad, actually, I did when I was... So you came to New York and then went adult. back to Europe. Uh, yeah, okay. and I was in New York. Okay. I decided to do it. Um, it was better because I knew what I wanted. If I traveled during, after college, I wouldn't, like, know what I was looking for. Oh, right. I would just, like, float you. around. But sure. this time, like, I had focus. And, You're like, like, I'm going to Burgundy if I'm in yeah, here. If I'm, I'm in the Loire Burgundy, Valley. I'm going to go Loire, Champagne. Um, I'll be, like, spending a lot of time in France, um, Spain, Italy, Austria, like, Were you by yourself? All over. No, I was with my boyfriend. Good. Smart, smart. Yeah, so you had somebody to travel with. It always makes it more fun. I've yeah, traveled by myself. It's always better to be with somebody to share your experience. Oh, with. yeah. It's harder. Yeah. Also, like, um, he's chef, so it was oh, even easier. <laughs> so we already know where we're going. Like, all the calling. Asador Echabari, let's get, like, um, reservation these places. Okay, <laughs> so so let's. We, we're going to have to go do a little Epicurean tour with you. So what were your summer favorite meals, and where were they? Um... um so, were, you, were you in Burgundy? It was in Burgundy. Yeah, okay. I, I like French food, mm-hmm. but French food can be so heavy for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I usually like eat pretty lightly. I'm more Mediterranean. Like I like to have like vegetables, like olive oil. I like meat, but simple, like how s- Spanish people make yeah. it. Just put salt. Like yeah. I don't want even marinated most of the time. Yeah. And the char grill. Um, I think one of the dish I cannot forget, I'm so in love, was mm. um, in Austria, in Wachau, actually. Yeah, sure. Um, that was the, like apricot dumplings. During the apricot season, mm-hmm. there is like um, fresh apricot inside. Outside is like dough and with cheese. Huh. And it was like, it's one of the most delicious wow. thing I eat. It was great. Um, I think Cerveria Ramiro's in Lisbon was another favorite of mine. It's a seafood place. Very casual. What's the name of it in Lisbon? Cerveria Ramiro's, if I'm pronouncing I'm just, I'm right. I'm trying to think if I was I need there. to check yeah. the name okay. again. Um, I love Lisbon. I thought Lisbon oh, just Lisbon blew was me away. My oh. soul city. It's yeah. mixed off like Istanbul, Izmir, San Francisco. Like yeah, like I've, super like hilly. Um, I found a natural wine bar there that somebody turned me on to, and then that chef turned me on to like five other restaurants. There's a Mexican restaurant right on the port, and he's like, it has eight seats. I can call him. He's a friend of mine. So I went down and had dinner one night with my, my wife. We were just there by ourselves, too, at this part. And it was just, I fell in love with that city. And the people couldn't be nicer. Yeah, it's beautiful. I like, it's a little bit like closer to Turkish culture. When, you, right. when you're dining, uh, there's a dramatic music behind. Yeah, and like, the fado. getting so emotional, eating like so much. Yeah, yeah, the fado music. I <laughs> yeah, loved I it. I love it so oh much. Oh, my God, yeah. If you go to Istanbul, you will love it, too. It's okay. like pretty much like same thing like you're listening that music is so much drama but you're eating at the same time like consistently like for five hours oh that's super cool so where are some great meals your your boyfriend chef he must be he must be driving the ship on this one we're gonna go did did you go to any of the classic like um uh, michelin restaurants in france or or you staying more off the beaten track oh so we had a budget okay. for month because you're traveling for months sure. and you want to like go right. as much as places right. you want. We had like some uh, great restaurants like Asadorek Chabare. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the best, sixth best restaurant in the world. It was okay. like, I don't know what is the, where is the it? list right now. In um, Akchpe, between Bilbao and San Sebastian. Oh, There's okay. like a really small uh, oh. village. There's oh, like only cool. like three buildings actually. Mm-hmm. But it's beautiful. Everywhere is like green. Wow. He's cooking everything on the char grill, which is, oh, I mean, wow. with the char oh, grill I've, in general. Oh, I've heard about this guy, right. Yeah, it's like super like genius guy. Yeah. Um, I didn't go so much Michelin. Michelin is 
Yeah, no, but, I'm not like so interested yeah. to just go mission. It was more what I was looking for. I want to go local, like thing local. Yeah, no. <laughs> and I eat local, it. drink local, whatever. It doesn't have to be wine. Yeah. Like when I was in uh, Brussels, we went to Cantillon and we drank Lambic, yeah. you know. Like yeah. it's like we were in, in other places in Belgium, like Ghent, like we had like full beer tasting for ourselves. Like we just like 12 like different beers and like right. just tasted everything. So here's my travel tip always is, it's just like uh, if you're in a city, go to a cool restaurant, not a big fancy, fancy Michelin, and ask them, I'm like, so where do you guys go drink and eat after work? Yeah, that's what I do too. Because restaurant people, it, not to care what city you're in, what country, they, they always go to the really cool places. Like, yeah, oh shit, where that's where I need to go. Yeah, <laughs> I was in uh, in the Basque Country and I, I, I heard about a chocolatey festival through a bartender at a little teeny place. And it was in a cave um in these big caves and they have huge barrels and they just open up cider and they yell chach and this cider shoots out of a barrel and everyone gets in a line like a fire line like a brigade with a glass and you fill the, the glass and everyone gets out of the way and drinks it it's and not pour on right no cider it comes right out of a big okay. huge wooden like thousand liter okay, uh, yes. uh wooden barrel and they literally there's a chach master he yells chach opens the barrel, it shoots out like a spigot, and everyone doesn't want it to fall <laughs> on the ground, so they get in their line, and then he shuts it off, and then everybody drinks that one big, huge barrel, and then about 20 minutes later, boom, next barrel, because everything's slightly different, of course, barrel to barrel. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, you, that's a trick, is to understand, like, go to a cool little place and get to know a little bit, a couple of places. It happened uh, uh, in Lisbon at this, uh, yeah, the natural wine part. He turned us on to these great places I would have never found. Yeah, so. it's like, there was also like great bar. Uh, the, all over the bar was the toys from Second World War. Like it's kind of like a little creepy, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was really cool. Uh, uh, so that sounds like a great. How long did you travel? Uh, just uh, around four months. Four months. Wow. Yeah. And was there a favorite was like, region you like? Um, I gotta go back there. Uh, Loire Valley of or? course I want to go back Loire Champagne Burgundy yeah, Champagne. I can go over and over yeah, I, yeah. I can go like twice a year <laughs> yeah I really like the Loire I I've, think San Sebastian was my favorite place yeah. that's like somewhere like I can retire like yeah it's got that little conch the little bay and yeah. then there's the old city and the new city and it's just gorgeous and the it's food is it's just so beautiful and, and food is great yeah. and I'm, I love Spanish food too yeah, yeah. And the pinchos, the little teeny plates, yeah. so perfect for you if you like to just. Yeah, I want to like get everything a little everything, bit, yeah. but yeah. not like so much like filling, like uh. eating too much meals. Okay, so all this talk about wine, we we gotta we gotta drink some wine on the show. <laughs> um, I usually pick the wine to the person, so I thought, uh, I for you, I have to m m have power, elegance, and it's got to be unique. So I picked La Rue Saint Aubin. Um, and Saint-Aubin is a little, little teeny uh, um, village tucked uh, between Pouligny and Chassan, basically just west. Um, these uh, sites particularly sit right up against the Grand Cru, the Chevalier Montrachet, incredible site. But it's red wine, and red Saint-Aubin is rare. Uh, you see a lot of white, but it's rare to see red, so that's why I picked this. It's uh, Domaine Larue. Uh, Kermit Lynch uh, and uh, T. Edward Wine brings it in through Kermit Lynch, two of my favorite importers. And uh, these vines were planted, I think, around 1970s. These are 50-year-old, and it's Pinot Noir, but it's powerful and elegant. And uh, here's to you, Abreu. Eh, Cheers. Cheers. Uh, so with the COVID, I've been uh, riding my bike and walking over the Brooklyn Bridge uh, four or five times a week. 
and every time I walk across the Brooklyn Bridge or ride my bike, I feel like I'm walking or riding through a museum. I mean, between the geometric shapes of the cables, the stone, the stories that I kind of echo in my own head about the how how that was built and P.T. Barnum, uh, the people didn't were so afraid to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge that P.T. Barnum was in town and took a herd of elephants across the Brooklyn Bridge to make people feel comfortable. See, elephants can walk across the bridge. You can walk across the bridge. So I always think of really cool shit like that when I'm you know, riding yeah. or walking to myself, like how historic. That's funny. Uh, yeah, during the corona, I bike a lot too. And I actually explore you bike here today. Manhattan. Yeah. yeah, I bike here today too. Yeah. I bike almost every day. Yeah. Um, I kind of explore Manhattan more than before. Because I never, when you don't bike, you go like pretty much all like same places, you use subway walk like same places always yeah. but now like i can go anywhere because i have time and like i went like some places in even bronx like go to coney island like yeah, rockaway coney like so you really then, ride because you'll if you're going out to coney island you're doing like 20 miles 25 miles oh yeah it was like rockaway is like 22 miles yeah from my I mean, right on, man. It's, it's fun. It's super fun. Yeah. It, it, I love that. And I got to tell you, uh, for people listening, if so by the way, you can't get a bike right now in New York. They're sold out. Impossible. Every bike store, impossible. And part of the reason is because nobody wants to get on the train, of course. But second reason, there's no traffic. Yeah. I'm zipping down Fifth Avenue. I go up and do a loop in Central Park, come down Fifth Avenue, and I'm doing 23 miles an hour on my bike. And there's not a car. There's a bus. But there's no cars, and it's great to see New York like that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Like you can see like whole city. Yeah, you know, it kind of reminds me of like when New York gets hit with a blizzard and it slows the whole city down, and you walk around in the middle of the road. It feels just like that. So I'm trying to look for the silver lining in this, and that's my silver lining. Um, so, Aldosam, uh, Boulay. So give us some of your experience working at some of the some of the best places in New York City. Or certainly considered some of the best. Boulay was always a considered top chef yeah. in the world and New York. I think he's one of the person inspire me a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I love him like so deeply. Um, he's very like um, sportive to me. Yeah. And actually I didn't see that much sportive like in general like chefs or before. Sure. He was just like talking to me and would you pick um, let's try and he smelled the wine for wine pairing whatever. I'm pouring, even though something so super simple you're doing. And then he smells and he changed whole things, like some of the sauces. I, lo oh, I wow. love it. Like he's just like so genius and he's very smart. Like you can talk anything. And when you start talking to him, he's just like, you talk about like Alsace and he started like, oh, this year I was in Alsace and he just, he's Is he from Alsace? Like, no, he's, he's from US, but. Okay. David Boulay? Yeah. I thought he was a friend. He's not French. Uh, I think he has like some French heritage, yeah, yeah. but he okay. born in U.S. Because John, John George is Alsace. That's why I was thinking like, oh, oh my yeah, God, would that be crazy? But we were yeah. talking about Alsace. That's why yeah. I uh, thought about it. Uh, he was just this year. This was like this. And he just like gives me like butter. Like, and like once I was in service and um, he was talking to like some guests. He liked to talk to guests a lot too. And he, he was talking about the, these kind of butter. And he gave, he just gave me like chunk of butter, and he's just like eat it. And in front of like everyone, I was just like, I think I have to eat it. <laughs> you damn right, you gave do. it to you. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> and I just ate it. Oh my god, this is like not feeling butter. It's just not like so heavy that you feel. It was like just perfect, but it was like full organic. It come from somewhere like special. 
um, he's just, he's just like always like opens my mind some way and teaches a lot. And I sit down and let's have a wine, a glass of wine. And a lot of like famous chefs, they, they're not in the kitchen anymore. Yeah. You, there is not opportunity to work side by side. Yeah. I think that's like kind of like industry problem. You, it's harder to find a mentor you work side by side. That's what I love to do. It's like someone I admire and I want to work like in the service. And I can, I want to watch you. Like, right. Down, like, you know, there, there's maybe something I'm missing. And I like to learn that. Yeah. They, that's like how you learn. Like, I ate at the original Boulet. Um, you were probably four. <laughs> and one of the things that was really crazy about it, and, and anyone who's ever been to Boulet back in the day, his restaurant down here, you walked in and he built this antechamber before you walked in. It was floor to ceiling. Uh, kind of uh, shelves, but with each each little uh, compartment held an apple. And when you walked in, you immediately just were overwhelmed by this incredible smell of apples. And I thought that was so brilliant. What a great way to like come out of New York, horns honking, carbon monoxide, yeah, all that kind of stuff. And you enter this little room before you go to the restaurant, and you're just like, boom! The old factory just took you immediately to a place he wanted to take you to. So it was a journey, and then it turns into this incredible uh, gustatory journey. Because those meals, epically, anyone who's ever eaten there, it's like, you know, it's hard to eat like that now. But it was like six hours. <laughs> yeah, details is the devil. Like that's yeah. how he's doing. It. Like smell is very important. Yeah. Yeah. This is like a kind of marketing strategy too. Like when you go to like specific um, shops and they put like some smells for right. marketing. Right. Actually, Robuchon has like their own par- parfums too. Like, oh, do they really? Yeah, yeah. for the for the restaurant. So this is actually part of marketing style. I actually read it. Um, there's like four books about smells. Olfactory is your, is your, is your most powerful sense. I mean, yeah, they it's say like it's, it in, saved in you. there, like they're actually yeah. explaining so well, mm. um, like how the smell affect our lives. Sure. Like in, in the like beginning of our lives, like when you're born, you actually remember your mom from the smell because you don't see well. Mm. And like smell was like so important in our lives, like when we first born, then visual like became more important sure. and then you forget the smell but we like peop- wine people or like food people they're bringing I, those back memories I, I i don't forget smell i it's just one of those kind of crazy things i, I love the olfactory is like um it saved us as a species you'd smell fear you know, the expression is just like you know when you're in a dangerous situation um what want to hear in, in uh, something kind of crazy is that um, one of the reasons they think the divorce rates are so high is because women who take birth control pill, it throws off their pheromones. So the olfactory response to a man who's interested isn't registering properly. And so because you were driven by this, that you're not getting the right message. Yeah. Which I thought was like, wow. And people think that's really far-fetched, but I don't, I don't know. I'm thinking, I mean, could, could you be with somebody that you didn't like the way they smelled? I don't think so. Um, I actually, this will be really creepy, but I smell people like when yeah. someone's close to you. Right. And if I don't like someone's smell, I cannot be friend. Yeah. No. It's like, to me, I know it because smells is so important. Yeah. And I have like, I recognize like people's smell. Yeah. Like I remember people from their smell. If I don't see them, I can remember. So yeah. like if I, that's crazy. If I feel it, maybe yeah. I'm like focusing on it. That's no, why I, don't, I, I, I recognize, but. I, I think you, you, you probably have a heightened awareness of it because probably people don't even know. Like, I don't know why I don't like that person. Well, I bet you it's because, or the, the relationship didn't work, and I bet you because um, you didn't like the smell. And, and people aren't conscious of it. Yeah, but smell is the like, strongest memory. Like, yeah. if someone comes to this room, but 
they may not recognize this painting here. Right. Like you may miss that because visually, like you can miss things easily. Sure. Uh, but if you smell something in this room, yeah. Like after like thirty years, if you smell again, you'll remember. You're like, oh, I remember this smell from somewhere. There is no way you can miss smell. True. Smell. It's smell. like, oh, I didn't smell. Unless like you don't have ocean, senses. fresh cut yeah. grass brings you right back to a place as a child or whatever. Uh, I agree. It's it's our yeah, most. Yeah, that's my powerful. problem with blind tasting because I have totally different memories than yeah. Americans. <laughs> like when right. you taste here, I'm like, I didn't know fruit Fruit Loops. <laughs> yeah. like, and I taste it. I understand like why people sure. think Fruit Loops. Well, that's interesting. You talk about it. the point of reference is so different. Like for me, um, if I smell Mouvedre, which is one of the predominant grapes in Bandol, for me as a kid, they remind me of um, Proked sneakers which is kind of like Converse or Nikes of the time. You would open the box and it was a very kind of rubber smell. And so when I'm tasting on my own and I don't need to explain to anybody anymore, people go, what do you think that is? If I smell that Proked smell, I'm like, it's Bendol. And they go, holy shit, how did you get that? Because that doesn't go away. Yeah. It stays with you. It's a beautiful kind of thing. I love it. What was that dish that you brought down to me though? Oh, uh, that was uh, called Pocha. Okay. In Turkish, it was filled with um, cheese, parsley, dill, um, it's a like fermented dough. In a dough, yeah. yeah. Like, oh. So this is like kind of things like we eat in the morning. Like there is right. like, here is like people eat bagel. We have like yeah. so many different pastries in the morning you will have. Like there's smith like kind of bagel. This like different kind of potatoes. It came with meat, potato and other stuff. Right. And breaks, like all these like things like you eat in the morning. Right. You just like got from shop and with your tea and go to work. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I love to bake. So that was like one of my favorite That's things great. to bake. What's great though is he, um, uh, lots of people probably leave the country and then they don't know how to cook their local dish or something. So they, th so they crave it. Is there something you can't make that you miss? I can make everything I miss. Like even the like the things nice. like you shop outside that yeah. like, you never make. Like lahmacun, for example, it's a, um, I can call Turkish pizza. It's really small, thin dough mm -hmm. and there's ground beef on top of it. Right. Uh, this is better when you cook like wood oven or mm. you know like stone oven because it needs to cook like right away. But I I got a pizza um, marble. Right. Oh, stone. Pizza yeah, stone. Pizza yeah, pizza stone. Yeah. So like I can cook at home too. Like I made everything. It was like pretty much like the closest. It's not the you know like the most traditional, but it's like still like tasting enough to like not miss. Is there a restaurant that you go to like a Turkish restaurant in New York City people should know about? Um, I was going Shipshock a lot. It's Second Avenue and um, between 49 and 50. What's good? Ship Shack? Shipshock. Huh. Um, I think it was the closest, most traditional Turkish food you could find. But okay. he, the owner, the chef also, who passed away last year. Oh, so yeah. I haven't been after that. Like, right. I don't know how mm -hmm. it is. But he was like really crazy person. Like super obsessed with his food. Like if you don't, if you say anything, complain about his food, he was like, you don't know anything Turkish food. Just you can. Can you leave? You don't need to pay. You no soup for you. He did yeah. the no soup yeah. for you. No soup for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Soup Nazis. Yeah. He just said bye bye. No, get out. <laughs> I'll pay the bill. Just get the hell out of my restaurant. Yeah. He's yeah. just like live. Like I kind of like respect that. No. I just, fuck hell because yeah. like his food is very traditional. Actually, yeah. how he cooks. Like if right. you don't like it, like you know, that's like probably. Yeah. You don't like those kind of dish. You know? That's it. You're in the wrong restaurant. That's, yeah, that's you're awesome. in the wrong restaurant. And do you have any other favorite little restaurants that you like 
you hope opens up again after this is all over because it was your secret hidden gem that you would go to for any particular dish? Um, yes. Uh, it's called Nargis. And <laughs> I love it. How do you spell Beach? it? How do you spell it? N-A-R-G-I-S. Okay. In Brighton it's Beach. A, okay. Yeah, it's an Uzbek restaurant. Wow. And I like to get my bottle of wine and go there. Um, they make like Uzbek food. But they're kind of like, it's a little bit like not so close to Turkish, but little enough close. Right. But I love their food. They have like full char grill. Everything come from char grill. Um, I, I love Uzbek food. They have like really good dumplings, um, some like nice pastries. I'm going to ask you a really crazy question because I personally can't stand this question when people ask me. Uh, you know, like what's your favorite wine? But what's a wine that you will never forget that you had? Uh, because a, you taste a lot of wine. By the yeah, way, there's a little wine I don't forget. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I and mean, this is like encyclopedic here because you also work the auction at Acker, I believe. Yeah. So you have access to crazy wine um, that most human beings do not get to taste. Um, is there something that kind of like, holy shit, this is like, uh, you know, this, you know, I saw God, I saw the lights, I heard like the harps playing when I tasted this wine. Like, I kind of feel bad when I answer this question because I, I'll tell like some like really fancy wine and it's not fair. Okay. But I, I'll, since you ask, I'll answer. Okay. Um, the wine I, one, one of the wine I, I will never forget was 2000 Le Pen. And actually I told the guests like if this guy, if this wine was a person, this could be my soulmate. Wow. And Holy say, shit. Oh, let's see then. <laughs> best, best vintage in Bordeaux for a very long time, right? Yeah, it's a great vintage, but yeah. Le Pen is like, it's the elegancy of Pomerol. Yeah. It's like, it's like Petrus, but they don't know. Right. Like, it's not as known as Petrus. Well, Petrus is, how much is a Petrus a bottle now? It's like same price. It's $4,000 a bottle for Petrus. I mean, it's something like, this crazy. Is, it, it was a little bit like more even than 2,000 Petrus. The prices. Holy shit. Pen. It's really hard to find it. It's very, very and, okay. and where did you taste this? Um, it was at L'Atelier. Okay. Uh, at Robuchon. At Robuchon. Yeah. No, yeah, that was like one of the wine I opened. So it was just like... <laughs> <laughs> so you had to taste it, of course. Yeah, I had to taste yeah. it. You know, it's like yeah. we are sacrificing for guests. Is that the coolest part <laughs> of the job? I mean, besides turning on something crazy, but also having to get to try stuff like that, right? Oh, yeah, it's a great job. Like not just t tasting wine is one thing, but also like guest interaction. And there's so much knowledge to know and learn. Mm -hmm. sure. so, like yeah. you're like whoever you talk to, like someone, you know, even they know wine or they don't know. Um, it's it's really fun to like talk about it. I'm sure in your spare time you're working on the cure for uh, the common cold and <laughs> all this kind of stuff. You, you can't stop. You're just a force. Um, so let's get to the part of the show I like too, which is kind of like, okay, so let's pretend tomorrow is your last day on this planet. You're shuffling off this mortal coil and you're going to say goodbye to everybody. And it's your last meal. What are, you, what are you eating? What are you drinking? And what incredible piece of music are you listening to as your eyes close? Um, I think I would drink, I'll start with what I eat. I would eat a piece of Iberico and tomato. tomate. So, so Spanish ham and bread with a little rubbed tomato. tomato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. rubbed tomato, olive oil and salt. Like, oh, I always think okay. simple is the best. Yeah, yeah, I like, agree. If I want to like, yeah, make your life easier, make, keep it simple. <laughs> yeah. But the food too, like if you put like every ingredient um, so many different ingredients it gets like Too you know much. confusing when you're eating like sure. even like 
oh you get this 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 right. and at the same time this and it's just like mm-hmm. harder to like pair too right um i think the wine would be i was thinking something else before uh. but now i think uh i think i would drink sherry and maybe i'm in wow. mood right now because <laughs> today's my last day <laughs> <laughs> it's your last day on the planet yeah. sherry would it be uh Oloroso? Would it be Manzanilla? Would it be? I think I would drink Amontillado. Amontillado, okay, okay. So a little more nutty. Yeah, I uh, love those nuts. I, I do too. I, I, by the way, another great secret. Also I always have Iberico, sherry. Like, Iberico, great. Ham and sherry. sherry and Iberico oh would be like God. just like dream. And also, people should drink more sherry. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Iberico ham and sherry is the peanut butter and jelly of like uh, of, of of like the the food world, right? Yeah, it's just, totally. There's nothing better. And what piece of music are you listening to as your eyes gently close and you're saying goodbye? And maybe you're going to be, who knows where you're going to be jettisoned to, but what are you listening to? I think it would match with food and wine I was also eating and drinking. Uh, I would listen to Ravel's Bolero. Oh. It was just, you know, it started like slower, really slow, then it's like back back page. Like there's like other music, you start hearing other notes and it's just getting like heavier and heavier it's kind of like that too like you when you eat piece of iberico it's just melting in your palate like yeah, that like too butter, yeah. or like you're having like pan con tomate mm. it's just like very like simple but you're having salt yeah and like the acid from tomato yeah and the sherry is like same thing you just like drink it and it just hit you with all these like compounds like on the back palate okay and then the music comes in and, and the music is a little started really slow like yeah. how bolero starts yeah. and then and not like going like that's really, a beautiful like, piece of music yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was wanna... listening when I was high school a lot ah. that was like my uh, favorite things to listen when I was growing oh, oh cool very cool well I want to thank Abru John yes. by the way so I, I was schooled <laughs> today uh, her, um, Abru spells her last name it, it is C-A-N but in uh, Turkish C is like J right? C is J yeah. C is J so Abru John Thank you for being on Drinking on the Job. Thank you for having me here. It was really fun it and fast. Time yeah. flew. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar.